0: Worldwide, cardiovascular disease affects the lives of hundreds of millions. Dedicated cardio nerds everywhere are working hard to fight this global epidemic. These are their stories.
1: My dear cardio nerds, this is Amit Coyle. Join us on a new adventure as we journey through the maze of clinical practice guidelines in this series, Decipher the Guidelines. We will take a deep dive into the 2021 ESC Cardiovascular Prevention Guidelines, focusing on similarities and differences from the American guidelines. This is a multidisciplinary collaboration between the CardioNerds, the ACC Prevention of Cardiovascular Disease Section, the National Lipid Association, and the Preventive Cardiovascular Nurse Association, developed with a mentorship from Dr. Eugene Yang. And remember, CardioNerds is a fellow-founded, independent educational platform. The views expressed here do not necessarily reflect the opinions or policies of our employers. Do be a nerd and spread the word on social media and help others find us by rating and reviewing the show on your favorite podcast platform. And with that, it's time to get nerdy. <laughs> The following question refers to section 4.9 of the 2021 ESC Cardiovascular Prevention Guidelines. The question will be asked by student Dr. Christian Faborg-Anderson, answered first by UCSD fellow Dr. Patrick Ascarate, and then by expert faculty, Dr. Melissa Tracy. Dr. Tracy is a preventative cardiologist, former director of the echocardiography lab, current director of cardiac rehabilitation, and solid organ transplant cardiologist at Rush University. Christian, lay down a question for us.
2: Hey, Dan. I came across a super interesting question about the cardiovascular benefits of aspirin, but I need a little help figuring out the answer. Here it is. In patients with a low risk of cardiovascular disease, which of the following is true? A. Aspirin does not affect the risk of ischemic stroke. B. Aspirin increases the risk of fatal bleeding. C. Aspirin reduces the risk of non-fatal MI. Or D. Aspirin reduces cardiovascular mortality. Patrick, do you think you could help us answer this question?
0: I sure can, Christian, and thank you for asking it. I believe that the answer here is C. Aspirin reduces the risk of non-fatal MI. So a few caveats to this, though. So let me explain in further detail. In 2018, an updated meta-analysis of aspirin for primary prevention of cardiovascular events found that patients with a low risk of CBD taking aspirin did not have a reduction in all-cause or cardiovascular mortality. There was a lower risk of non-fatal MI and ischemic stroke. However, aspirin was also associated with a higher risk of major bleeding, intracranial bleed, and major GI bleeding. Of note, there was no difference in the risk of fatal bleeding. Accordingly, the ESC does not recommend antiplatelet in individuals with low or moderate cardiovascular disease risk due to the increased risk of major bleeding. Although aspirin should not be given routinely to patients without established ASCVD, We can't exclude that in some patients at high or very high CBD risk, the benefits outweigh the risks. My main takeaway from this question and the ESC guidelines is that in patients with low to moderate risk of CBD, aspirin for primary prevention is not recommended due to the high risk of bleeding. For those at higher risk of CBD, low-dose aspirin may be considered for prevention in the absence of contraindications. Now, I do have some follow-up questions here, and I'm glad that Dr. Tracy is here to help comment on them. First off, a question that comes up a lot from patients in clinic who are already on aspirin and have low-risk CBD have heard of these latest recommendations and ask if they should continue taking them. My question is, in those patients with lower CBD who are already on low-dose aspirin and are tolerating it well without any major bleeding risk, would you recommend they discontinue it?
3: Patrick, thank you so much. I am asked this question multiple times per day. The 2019 meta-analysis included 13 randomized controlled trials comprising 164,225 patients. That's not subtle. Prior to this meta-analysis, in my practice, once a man turned 45 and a woman turned 55, I started aspirin. 10 years difference between a man and woman was because of menopause. And in a woman 55 years of age or older, it was really more the cerebrovascular protection over the cardiovascular protection. When this meta-analysis came out, I did shift my practice. And so if I have a patient who is low risk for cardiovascular disease, who has been taking an aspirin, of a joint discussion between my patient and I, but I will guide them to stop the aspirin.
0: I think that makes sense. Sounds like some shared decision-making with the patient in regards to the benefits and the risks of ongoing aspirin use would be required here. And Dr. Tracy, I just wanted to clarify that low-dose aspirin can be used for primary prevention in certain cases. What would be your approach for this population and the use of aspirin?
3: So I have three pathways that I go on, the no, the yes, and the maybe. So I'll start with the yes. For secondary prevention, I use aspirin, and these would be patients who have known coronary heart disease, have had a previous TIA or stroke, or have peripheral arterial disease. The patients who are a no in my practice are healthy patients with no major cardiovascular disease risk factors. I do not use it for routine use after the age of 70. And if the patient has a prior history of bleeding or are at high risk for bleeding, then it's a no for aspirin. The maybe is a bit more tricky. For primary prevention, if they have a high risk for development of cardiovascular disease and a low risk for bleeding, then I will consider an aspirin. So then, for primary prevention, if the patients have a low risk for bleeding but are current smokers, have an elevated coronary calcium score of greater than 100, between one and 100, I do have more of a shared decision making with my patients. If they have a strong family history for premature development of coronary artery disease, suboptimal control of their cholesterol or blood pressure, or have a high personal risk of the development of coronary artery disease, then I will use aspirin.
2: Wow. Dr. Tracy, Patrick, thanks for those elegant explanations. As a learner, the nuances of the benefits versus the possible harms of low-dose aspirin therapy have always twisted my brain into a pretzel. Thanks for helping distill this complicated topic into simpler terms. I think this will be super useful for many learners listening along.